Welcome to One Tired Teacher, episode 97, Seven Dreadful Ways We Are Killing the Love of Reading. If you look around in elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, how often are you seeing kids reading for pleasure? How often are you seeing kids jumping up and down for books? How often are you seeing kids excited about being asked to take out a book and read? I feel like this is happening, you know, that our, the love of reading is happening so much less in schools and that kids are losing that enthusiasm for reading that, that used to be so vital in schools and, and vital in homes and families. And I feel like, I feel like we have taken some major, major back steps. And I think that I've identified why some of that is happening, had a really upsetting thing happened this week with some students and I want to share about it. I want to talk about it. And if this sounds like ominous and difficult, then it is, it's an, it is a difficult conversation. It's a difficult thing to, to acknowledge and to understand and to realize that, that a a huge part of the problem lies in, in the, some of the things that we're doing in schools. And so I think it's an important conversation to have. And next week, I'm hoping to talk about some of the things that we can do in order to, to, to regain, like to bring back that love of reading. I hope you stick around. Welcome to One Tired Teacher. And even though she may need a nap, this teacher is ready to wake up and speak her truth about the trials and treasures of teaching. Here she is, wide awake. Wait, she's not asleep right now, is she? She she is awake, right? Okay. From Trina Debery Teaching and Learning, your host, Trina Debery. Hey, so, yeah, the start of that did not sound too promising, did it? It sounded a little bit like upsetting. And I, I guess I'm, I definitely am feeling a little bit upset. And so I originally had thought about taking this, the thing that happened this week and turning it into ways that we can really think about how we can, how we can get kids back on track, how we can get them excited and motivated for reading. And then I decided, you know what, I think we've got to talk about why this has happened in the first place. And then this really is two different shows. And then the, and next week, we'll talk about some remarkable ideas in order to, to really help kids fall in love with reading. So I'm, I'm excited to do that show. This one is much harder. But you know, I kind of woke up today and I like woke up with a headache, which is never a good thing. And it's like dreary and depressing outside. And I'm like, Oh, wow, I just I kind of it's kind of reflecting the mood that I'm in. And I'm like, well, I had I had a hard had a hard thing happen this week. And I want to share it because I think it's important. I think it's a message that we need to hear as educators, even as parents. And we need to recognize how this happened in order to move forward and figure out what we're going to do to make it better. Because the bottom line is, I have seen so many children not wanting to read, not loving reading and not want and not wanting anything to do with it. And I think that that's really impacting how our children are doing and how how they're doing in school, how they're doing with learning, how they're doing in life. And reading can be, you know, a magical experience and it can 
open up so many doors to so much information. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, it's important skill and it's an important part of living in the world. And so I think that we have to take that really seriously and having kids feel like they don't like it or they don't enjoy it. And, and I'm not even talking about kids that are, that struggle to learn to read because that can be a daunting task. Having experience that myself as a child, I um, have dyslexia and I had a difficult time learning how to read. Once I went through some tutoring and this whole process, like I definitely, like as soon as I got the reading bug, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. I couldn't put a, a book down. And it, I, I definitely think that was a huge change in my life that, that was for the better. And I can't honestly think about, I can't imagine not like wanting to read or loving to read. So I know that that, I know it's difficult for kids and I know it can be. And I know as also as a parent of a child with dyslexia who didn't love to read and had, and struggled in reading, it was, it was daunting. It was difficult. And I think that there are solutions for that. And I think that there are things that we can do. And we have so many, so many accommodations these days with audiobooks and podcasts and YouTube videos and things like that. We have so many options to devour content. And I think that that is, is important. And we can kind of overcome that dread of reading. But I also think it's not, I'm not necessarily even talking about for the people that it's difficult, even though I think that matters because I, I know there are ways that we can help those, those students. I, I, I'm positive. It worked for me. I know it helped my son. There's so many things that we can do in order to help break that alphabetic code for kids and, and help them be able to, to have access to text and, we we have to do those things. It's important. But I'm really talking more about mindset today. I'm not really talking about reading strategies and what we can do in order to help struggling students. I'm talking about what we can do to help all students. I'm talking about what we can do to help kids want to read, love reading, be engaged with reading. Because I'm going to tell you the story of what happened. So this can be a little clear. I have... I've been in the media center as a media specialist for this school year, and I did this job another year in a different school for a little over a year, and my my sole focus in both positions, in both places, and my position even as a second, first and second grade teacher was always for kids to want to read, to love to read, to be enamored by reading and by books and authors and characters and all of that was so important to me because I really felt like if we just hooked them and grabbed them and got them in that we they would be unstoppable and that it was with endless possibilities and I felt like that was the key that truly was the key the keys to the city and I I it was always a a goal for me for for kids to walk out of their experience with me as a lover of reading. And so as I've transitioned into two different media centers, like that has become one of my main goals. I have other goals in the media center and I want it to be a place of learning and thinking and discovering. But I also like on at the forefront is always that like love because I, that, that's love of thinking, that love of learning. And I, I feel like that's missing. So I have 
a, I have a group of kids that I just recently started doing a book club with and I spoke to a teacher and we were going to do, she, we decided that I was going to meet with these, these girls several times a week and we were going to do a book club. So I met with them this past week. Uh, The first day they came, we picked out a book. Like I have a, a bunch of like sets of books that were my own like personal books and that I've, that I've been handed down. I had a huge library of sets of books when I was in the classroom. And then when I left, I gave it away to, to some new teachers and, and they, what a massive, it was like massive. And so I'm like, I don't have that anymore, but my, I have a dear friend who recently retired and she passed along her sets of books. So I was like, the first place I want us to look is this is this cart that I have of books. And I want you to see if there's anything that's that's jumps out at you that sounds exciting that we could read together. And if not, then we're going to order it, we can order it online, and we can pick something to read together, because I wanted them to be to to get buy in to have buy in. It's really important. So I showed them the choices. And they ended up picking a book that I was surprised about. I wasn't super excited about it. But I was there was no way I was going to let on. I'm like, Oh, no, I'm going to have the best attitude about this. Because number one, I am excited to meet with this group. And number two, I think that they should should feel like passion and enthusiasm coming off of me, rather than Oh, man, you picked, you picked a book that I wasn't excited about. But (laughs) that's okay, because it's it really is about their experience, not about my experience. And so they chose a story that, which I think they thought was nonfiction, and and I was okay, and I I thought it was nonfiction as well from the description. It was it was called um, Shark Lady. It's actually about this this woman named Eugene Clark, who is a scientist who works with sharks, and so it's about her life. Well, so I was like, all right, well, we're gonna have read this this informational text or this maybe even possibly biography, and we're gonna find out what about this woman because that's what the blurb on the back said so I'm thinking that's what we're going to learn about so we pick the book and I tell them let's read the first chapter let's agree to read the first chapter and we'll come back tomorrow and we will discuss it we'll talk about it so they're like all right so off they went well they didn't come back for like a couple of days and I'm thinking oh no like I've already like they're not excited they're already they've I've already lost them like I had my one opportunity and I, I I blew it And then they they came back again, and just this past week, and they like, I'm like, all right, let's go sit outside. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, let's go sit outside. We're gonna go underneath the tree. It was a really pretty day in Florida. I live in Florida. And it was like breezy for once. And like the temperature had dropped a little bit. I mean, nothing crazy. It was like 70, 70 something degrees. But that's really great for Florida. (laughs) Because normally we're talking 90s and who knows. But um, anyway, so we go outside and we're I'm like, you know, how do you want to do this? Do you want to talk about like your like a part that like moved you or a part that you enjoyed? Because it wasn't what I expected. The book was written like a story and it wasn't what I expected. So I wanted to see if anyone was going to say that like right off the bat. So they just sit there. They say nothing. And I'm like, okay, well. I'm going to have to do some modeling here. So (laughs) I'm like, I had taken some notes on a sticky note. I'm like, well, this is what I noticed. And I started sharing and I'm like, I was really surprised by the book. First of all, it wasn't what I expected. I'm like, did you feel that way? And they're kind of like, yeah, I guess. I mean, like no enthusiasm, nothing. And I'm like, all right, well, 
um, this is what else I noticed. And so I like started talking about parts and they're sitting there. They look like I'm like about to torture them. And I'm like, what is going on? And finally, like one of them speaks up and she's like, she seemed so like she was using her best, bravest um, stance. And she's like, Miss Debery, do we have to, do we have to take a test on this when we're finished? <laughs> and I felt like someone had stabbed me. I'm like, no, we do not have to take a test. I'm like, we're just going to read it and talk about it. And their faces completely changed. They lit up. They were smiling. They're like, oh, okay. And like, it was like, they were so relieved. And all I kept thinking was, do we have to take a test on this? That's the question. That's what they think reading is. That's what they think a book club is. A book study. Like, oh, it's just heartbreaking. It was so heartbreaking. And it, it just, so I've done a lot of thinking about it because it was upsetting. And I think it should be upsetting. I think it should be shocking to educators. I think it should be like a travesty. Like we should consider this like a crisis and it should be upsetting to parents. It should be upsetting to everyone involved should be upset by this story because it's so heartbreaking and so unbelievable and so really real. Like it, it's truly what is going on. And that is the thing that's just, that's the part that bothers me so much. So I started thinking about how we got here and what were the things that put us in this situation. And so I'm going to, I'm going to share some of the, the, those sev the seven, I'm going to share seven dreadful ways that I feel like we have contributed to this, like killing of the love of reading. And because that's what's happening here. And, and I am going to do my darndest to, to, to change their paradigm on this and what it looks like to talk about books and literature and what it looks like to be invested in a story and to be captivated by the words. I am going to change their minds. I, I hope that I come back to tell you like a life-changing story. And we're not going to stop here. We're going to, we're going to keep going and we're going to read even more. And I am going to win them over. I am determined. So here are some things I think that we need to think about as educators or even as parents. And I think we need to realize what we've done, what we've created, because we have, we've done this, we've created this and these, and these systems where we have tested everything to death. And that's, that's the biggest problem I see is that we are, we're testing everything. So a child reads and we're testing them. We're asking them questions. We want to make sure we've, that they, that they comprehended. And we want to put them through these excruciating practices of reading passages and answering questions. And we've removed the illustrations and we have made it on a computer and they, it's difficult to go back and look at information. So we've tested everything. And not only are we testing like a high stake standardized testing, not only are we doing that, but then on top of that, we are practicing testing all the time. We're taking benchmark assessments. We're doing I ready. We're doing all these types of testing that are similar to our end of the year high stakes test, which in Florida is the FSA. And we are putting them through all this practice so they can practice taking a test. So basically, at least several times a quarter, they are going through a practice FSA style of testing. 
with proctors and everything. And, and we're, and we've, we're, that's literally killing the joy of reading. Like nobody wants to read a passage and answer questions. I can't even imagine if that was what I had to do every time I read something was take a test and feel like it was a test. Like that's going to be tested every single time. So this testing of everything is a huge factor. Another thing that I feel like we are doing to, to, to destroy the love of reading is we're eliminating choice for students. We've gotten so like crazy almost on a leveling system and where a student is on a level. Honestly, like I never used to even tell my kids what level they were. I didn't want them to know what level they were. And not because I didn't want them to understand and make goals and growth, but I didn't want them to look at themselves as a F reader or a H reader or an M reader. I didn't want them to think of it like that. I wanted that. That was what I needed to use for instruction. That is not what they needed to know about themselves. I wanted them to know like what strategies work for them or where they, they might, might want to focus or how fluently they were reading the words or if they were making meaning with their voice or if they were asking and answering deeper questions about text. That's what I wanted them to know. I didn't want them to see themselves as a level. And so when we get to this leveling system, we end up eliminating their choice. We say, you know, you're a level F, you must read a level F, you're only reading level F, you can't read anything else. It has to be a just right book. Just right doesn't always mean that it's the exact level that is an independent level for them. It can sometimes mean it's the book that's just right for them because that's what they want to read or that's what they aspire to read or that's what they where they need to gather information because they're learning about sharks and they want, need to read a book about sharks that might not be on their just right level. It might not pass the five finger test. Some of those things I feel like have hurt hurt our readers. They no longer have a choice in what they're reading. When they're reading passages and answering questions, they don't have a choice. That's the passage they're reading, whether they have any background knowledge or not, whether they have any understanding about Model T Fords or not. They're reading that passage and that's what they have to answer. It doesn't matter if they if they have an interest because that doesn't that's eliminated. So we've eliminated choice in our classrooms. I think that's another downfall of, of, of reading, of kids loving to read. A third, a third thing that I think has impacted reading is we've used it as a punishment. We've actually punished kids and said, all right, that's it. Get out your book and start reading. You're, you, we can no longer do this fun activity. We must get out our books and start reading. Like, well, you've lost some time so you can read. You'll have to just sit and read at recess. You can't play. You'll be sitting off to the side and you can read. What? When did reading become a punishment? When did we have any negative connotation with reading to reading? Like even with writing, like even the back in the days when people were having kids writing sentences because they misbehave. Like now you've made writing a punishment. You're actually taking something beautiful that we want kids to do forever as lifelong learners and we've we've added it we've incorporated it with punishment of course they're not going to want to read of course they don't love reading did we expect anything else did we expect anything differently so that's that's reason number three or I should say dreadful reason number three the fourth 
dreadful way we are killing reading is forcing kids to read. We are telling them that they must read for 20 minutes a day when they get home from a long day of school or however long we want to make them read. And then they must keep a log of that reading. And so they are reading for this specific time. It doesn't matter how they are feeling, if they're tired, if they have a headache, if they've had a bad day, if their parents are getting divorced, if they're, um, if they have to, it doesn't matter. We're telling them they must read. So we're, again, we're eliminating their choice and we're giving them like a dictated time that they must read. Number five, we're requiring kids to keep logs and summaries. I can't even think of anything worse. I, I would never read again if I had to write down everything that I read in a day or, or even worse, I had to summarize it every single day. I can't even fathom that. I mean, is that real reading? Are we giving them real reading experiences when we're asking them to summarize everything they've read? That is a hundred percent effective way of making a child hate reading. It, it's literally destroying their love of reading. It's, it's, I, I understand that we want to know if they know what they've read or if they're fake reading or if they're, if they've actually read different genres. We, we want to, why can't we have a conversation with them? Why can't we allow them to even do a quick recorded thing on a phone saying, this is what I read this, t- this, this weekend, Miss Deborah, I read Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And I was doing a recipe with my mom and we were making fried chicken and I read a fried chicken recipe. And then I was on, you know, that would be so much easier if they were doing that. And they were just having a conversation if we don't want to take the time to sit down with them, or we don't have the time to sit down with them because of all the other crazy things we have to do we could at least do something like that. So it wasn't as tedious. It was like them having a converse, like them doing a podcast themselves. So we have to stop some of these practices that actually make kids hate it. And kids that are struggling, that's even worse for them. Then not only are they struggling with the words, now they have to write all this down and make it even more excruciating. Um, Reason number six, we're using boring programs. When I just said that Model T Ford, not that that couldn't be an interesting article for someone, but it was in a program that I'm thinking of and it was, it wasn't interesting. It was the way it was written was really poorly written. We have got some of these companies that I feel like have never actually been around kids that are creating text and we're like, and we're giving it to kids. It has no, it's like very I don't even know what what else to say but boring. And it's just not written in an engaging way. And then we have these programs on the computer where they're reading these passages and answering these questions. And and usually even that that information is boring and not relevant and not exciting to read or discover. So that's, that's another thing that I think that we're doing. And then the final, the final thing, and I think there's, there's probably so many more things that we're doing that is destroying their love, but this one is like heartbreaking to me. And that is eliminating libraries where we're, we're eliminating, or we're not funding them. We're not helping teachers build up classroom libraries in their classroom, or we're having them take them out because we have to social distance. And how can you take out a library? How can you not fund a library in your classroom? How can kids not have cho- lots of choices 
I recently gave a cart of books to a teacher that was new to our school who didn't have a classroom library. And I'm like, they were, a lot of them were my personal books again. And I'm like, they have to have some books. And then she brought the cart back and she's like, I, you know, I'm building my own classroom library. Thanks. I don't need this anymore. And I thought, well, you can use it. Like you can use it for the whole year if you want to. And she's like, no, it's okay. I'm good. And I thought, really? You you don't want to take the books? Like, take the books. Like, I never turned down books. I always wanted books. I didn't care where they came from. Like, I was constantly collecting books because I wanted kids to have so much choice. It wasn't like I was giving her a pile of crappy books. I was giving her, I was giving her good books. It just, that kind of stuff doesn't make sense to me. And not, and like a, a three or four baskets of books is not a classroom library. And then on top of that, we're not even like going to the library. We're not even like finding value in the library. (sighs) These are things that I think that that we're doing in schools and we may even be doing at home. Like we're not buying books or it's not a priority. We're not putting books on our, our, on our children's bookshelves. Some kids don't even have a bookshelf. I remember when I first had my daughter and we were really on a budget and Bookshelves are expensive. I mean, obviously now there's like a IKEA and things like that. I just don't feel like that was even there. Maybe it was, and I just didn't know about it. But I couldn't find a book a bookshelf that um, was in a a reasonable budget. So I found these wooden crates, and I like built places for books in the crates. Like I built up this like stacks of crates in her room as a place to display books and to put books. And then I had baskets with books. I, I had, she already had a library in her bedroom before she was even born. And my, the, it's, it's that important. It's so important. So those are some things to consider when you're, when you're looking around your classroom or when you're thinking about the practices that you're doing at your school and what's a priority and what, what matters because if we want kids to to be engaged learners and we want them to, to be lifelong learners, then we have to we have to nurture and nourish that that love, that deep love of reading. I hope that I hope that we think about this just a little harder. This one tired teacher is feeling like I am tired. But I'm going to go back next week and I am going to do whatever I can to spark just a little spark of hope and enthusiasm for reading. Until next time, sweet dreams and sleep tight. (laughs) 